Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop writer Shane. How's it going, everyone? We write for SifPop.com, providing... Oh, sorry, staff writer Shane. Uh, we write for SifPop, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. Uh, so make sure you check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with those. And by the way, I only mentioned, you know, to go back and do the staff writer thing, because we've been pretty intentional about putting uh, um, the, the the titles next to when you do reviews. So I have to or... say, it was noticed and appreciated. When that I was, did notice that on the first one, I'm like, look at that. Good. <laughs> My idea was to start putting names in the review headers. Um, I thought that I think that that's helpful too. And it was Robert's idea. So you can thank Robert for that. Uh, by the way, I am now an editor at sifpop.com. That hasn't been said on the podcast. So uh, that's uh, that's a thing. And Shades are our staff writer. But um, and uh, And Robert's the other editor. So some new things kind of been going on uh really cool check out sifpop.com if you have it in a while um lots of lots of subtle changes happening there and lots more to come uh but anyway uh today's show on the podcast you know podcast <laughs> we're gonna um give our thoughts on uh two well one movie and one tv show that's coming out we're gonna talk about voyagers is the new um colin farrell i almost i want to say ethan hawk for some reason um they're the same person right <laughs> I have a funny story about that because my girlfriend Jess despises Ethan Hawke, but loves Colin Farrell. So she would be extremely offended if she heard you say that. I mean, that okay, that's fair. (laughs) But uh, we'll talk about um, Voyagers and we'll talk about uh, The Nevers, the new formerly Joss Whedon HBO show that he left before we all realized he was a jerk. Um, so um, that's all that will bring up his name on the on today's show. And uh, and when we're done talking about the Nevers and Voyagers, then we will talk about our nostalgia pick. Uh, we got some Jimmy Neutron boy genius in the house today. We'll be talking about that. And I am so excited to do that because I have many notes. Um, and I'm just really excited to... Um, Really excited to talk about that. But uh, when we're done with that, we'll talk about the B-plot. I uh, came up with movies um, that make us cry. Because we talk about movies that make us cry often. But I, uh, like when it's when we're in the moment. But I wanted to specifically, like, what's the thing that brings that tear to your eye? And uh, so we'll we'll take care of that. Uh, and then we'll wrap up with a quick spin uh, quino- spin-off. Wow. Spin-off. A quick recommend or warn from each one of us. Uh, and we'll wrap it up from there. But first, as always, let's get a chance to know our writer this week. Shane, this is really fun because as you and I were talking before, oh, nope, never mind, we're good. Shane, this is really fun because as we were, thought I skipped over a note. It's just for later. <laughs> it's really fun because as we were talking about before the show, um, 
this is your first like non TV episode other than the mini reviews, which is exciting because yeah. you watch every movie known to man. So, which is the funny thing. Cause I just come on and talk about TV shows. Yeah. It, it makes sense for Alice to be on about TV and you know, you, you pick the, t- you pick the TV week. So that's all, that's all right. But honestly, I thought it was something different. So yeah. I've been enjoying them, but now I get to talk about something that I've probably watched way too much <laughs> in my life. Well, and look with, with you, all your, all your stuff on the wasteland reviewer channel. Like if people want to know your, your opinion on a movie, it's probably already up there. So they could just YouTube that. <laughs> probably. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but Shane, we got a, we got a new set of questions that we're asking each writer. I think I started these the week after you were on last, but, uh, uh we've talked about, perfect. we've talked about your favorite movie and we've talked about, um, like what's the best part about writing for Sif Pop. And we've talked about kind of those experiences, uh, but I want to know, um, what specifically about movies is the most important thing to you? Like, what is that one thing that for a movie to be beyond excellent, it's really got to have this. And that's an interesting thing. Cause, um, two things that popped in my head for me, like when thinking about like the Oscars, the one award that I love the most is the cinematography award. Okay. Because I love me some cinematography and I can be checked out of a movie real quick if it's just very bland and just blah kind of look to it. So I feel like a movie has to do a lot to overcome that for myself. And it was interesting how you phrase like what pushes a movie up to being excellent. Yeah. When it really comes down for it to me when I'm looking at like my top films and stuff like that. It's films that can hit you from different directions in Mm. terms of like maybe genre blending or if it effectively nails multiple kinds of things in terms of like, I know one of my favorite films of the past few years was Annihilation. Mm. Nailed the science fiction, scared the crap out of me. Um, It was intense and thrilling and thought provoking and for me, nailed it for me. I could also see it's a very interesting movie. Yeah. <laughs> but I think for especially for me, if there is something very artistic about the way that the film is presented, that's always going to catch my eye. Okay. So, like, you want it to be pretty all, all-encompassing or you want it to be, like, something like – like Baby Driver. Like, I've never seen anything like Baby Driver before. Like, like the way that Edgar Wright put all that together is extremely impressive. Because it has the action. It has... It's more or less a musical. You ask <laughs> and me, it is. It's a heist film. I'm in. Um, and it just is able to balance so many different things. That kind of stuff grabs my attention. Okay. All right. So, um... You're obviously a film lover because you watch a million. Um, <laughs> you do what none of us have the patience to do. <laughs> um, but uh, what is what is the best part about being a film lover? I feel like the best part of being a film lover is getting to dive in to so many different stories and places and ideas. Mm. It's like I've learned so many life lessons from watching movies I've learned so much about understanding other people's cultures from movies because I feel like 
for you to create a film and really be invested in it, you're really putting yourself into it and being able to be lost in somebody else's ideas, somebody else's story, somebody's environment is a special thing. And film is a special kind of art because it's mul working on multiple with multiple media at the same time because you're visually seeing it, you're hearing it. Sometimes, depending on the theater, you're feeling it. <laughs> and I feel like there's not a whole lot of opportunities of art that can hit you on so many different dimensions. Film okay. special, why I love it so much. Okay. I love that answer uh, because... I think that films are such an incredibly powerful medium for storytelling. And even though Robert's not on the podcast, I got to mention Lord of the Rings here quick. Cause like the Lord of the Rings is great, but it wouldn't have touched so many people without being in the movie. Like sure. Like nerds and geeks knew Lord of the Rings, but it wasn't as easily accessible and talked about and understood as it is today. And because of that, you know, and without the existence of Lord of the Rings, then we don't get game of Thrones or, any of the other like really anything that's you know swords and sandals um but, but but we're talking about more media that you know if movies and tv shows film doesn't exist then uh um then neither of those do as well but there's look there's something more powerful about let's take the example of like hacksaw ridge is a great one because like i could tell you the story about how desmond dawes went in as a conscious conscientious observer and wound up saving the lives of like I think 40 some people, uh, including a couple Japanese soldiers, um, mm -hmm. while fighting in Japan for America during the world during World War II, and how even without a gun and just as a medic, uh, he stayed up there. And but like, you're already bored hearing this, and like, look, it's a fascinating tale, but like, you're not drawn into it, and you don't really understand the the scope and the breadth of that, and that's why. So, so movies have such an incredible storytelling power. I really love that answer. So, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to get bored watching Mel Gibson's portrayal of absolutely decimation of war. Yeah, because boy, is that intense. Yeah, that's oh gosh, I love that movie. Um, oh wow, didn't realize uh, we'll be talking about it later. Um, but we will, um, and, I, and I have one more question for you. And that is, uh, um, you have the day off or it's Saturday or something, you know, are you going to an amusement park or the zoo? Hmm. So I'm afraid of heights and I don't like going very fast. So I'm definitely <laughs> going to the zoo, which oh. is funny because my girlfriend loves roller coasters so it's like trying to plan a double date at some point where both, basically both guys are holding all the crap standing at the bottom <laughs> and both of them are on roller coasters. I love the zoo though. I Growing up in Camden County, New Jersey, the Philly Zoo was like 25 minutes, 30 minutes going there and the Cape May Zoo, which is a free zoo, which you just give a donation and I love animals. Yeah. So that's probably a small thing that most people don't know about me is like, I absolutely love animals. Anytime I got to write a report growing up in school, I wrote about animals. And some of my, some of my favorite memories are at the zoo. So the laziest sloth bear at the Philly zoo one time, 
this bear was like blue, 100%. Like this was the laziest dude I've ever seen and somehow shifted all of its weight just to get up onto one short branch and just like sprawled out like, my God, I've been doing like hours of work to get up here. Yeah. And animals are fascinating. So I'm definitely going to the zoo. Because also, I'm not going to be scared out of my mind like I would be going on a roller coaster. Sure. I, gosh, I, look, I grew up near Chicago, so I had the best of everything. Um, there was great amusement parks. There was great water parks. There's a Lincoln Park Zoo really close to me that's honestly, like, maybe, eh, not, not not the best. But, like, it's got to be, like, top five zoos in the country. Um, you know, and right next to the, the park, uh, there, there's dunes and like lots of, lots of really cool things, uh, there. Yeah. I think the zoo is a great experience, but I'm 100% picking, uh, an amusement park. And it's also weird because I hate heights. Um, I am terrified of heights. If like to put it in perspective, like, first of all, I'm already six, three. So I'm a tall guy, which is ironic for a tall guy to be afraid of heights, but I get about two steps up a ladder and my knees lock up. I can't go up anymore. Um, I understand. Yeah. And I'm like, also six foot one and I'm like, I do not like ladders. Right. Like, <laughs> but it's not just ladders. It's anything. I get a little bit up like ladders. My knees lock and I can't move up. Everything else is just like, I just don't like being up here. I'm very afraid. I'm imagining the worst possible scenario right now. Um, and maybe it's because I can see over the railing, you know, <laughs> but um, so quick fun story real quick about ladders. <laughs> So I was junior in high school, 285 pounds. I grew up living with my grandparents. My grandfather wanted me to paint some lattice and I had to get on top of a six foot ladder to reach the lattice. To that day, 35 mile an hour winds. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. And my grandpa's like, you can do it. I'll catch you if you fall. I'm like, you'd be dead. I would fall off this ladder, land on you. You wouldn't be getting up. So I'm like, this is not a good idea. And that's why you shouldn't climb ladders. <laughs> nice. Yeah, like I look, I I hate heights, but I do like roller coasters because it in and, and brings out that fear in me, but like with a smile on my face. Cause like there is something inherently scary about it, but as soon as you get going, you can't help but smile. Um so I, I like realistically, if I could pick anything, I'm taking a water park. Um, but you know, the, the question was amusement park or zoo. So, uh, and uh, here's the other, here's the other advantage is that I have Crohn's disease, which qualifies me for the handicap passes at the amusement park. So I, the six flags in Chicago is open from like 8am to like 11pm most days. Um, and I went the day after the 4th of July, uh, before COVID. Uh um, so like when the world was normal and people did a lot of things and the weather was really nice that day, like a little hot, but that's it. And I managed to show up at about like 10 30, 11 and stayed until 6 PM and rode every single roller coaster in the park. Plus, um, I rode, uh, like two or three of the longest line ones twice. So like, I spent half a day there and did what most people cannot do if they show up from minute one and stay until the last minute. Like I, it was just awesome. Um, it was great. Cause what they do is they tell you like you go up the exit um, and they sign a piece of paper 
Uh, you get this <laughs> special form that you have to get at customer service. Uh, and then you go up the exit and they sign this form. And there's always a, there's always a time for the day. They just based it off how busy they think they're going to be. So it's either 35, 45, or 65 minutes. And so this, ha- this particular day happened to be 35. They're like, it was the 4th of July yesterday. Everybody came yesterday. And, um, and, and, but it was still a moderately busy day, not like terribly busy. And, uh, and so they mark down your thing and say 35, uh, 35 minutes. And so I walked, so they say, all right, come back in 35 minutes, come straight up the exit ramp again, and we'll just get you on. And you don't get like front row, but you get like four or five, and that's totally fine too. And so, well, I have 35 minutes now, and the Batman only has a 15 minute wait. So you go, you ride the Batman, and then you go, you walk back, and you ride the Superman, you know? Like, you just you just play it to your advantage, and that's exactly what me and my friends did, and, you know. So, but look, bottom line is, if you want to go to an amusement park, invite me, pay for my ticket, and I'll get you the handicap pass, because I can bring four people with. So, that's an open invitation. Um, just, yeah, just just pay for my travel and my ticket, and we'll I'll get you the best fast pass you've ever had. So... Very interesting strategy. Also, yeah. small world, two of my aunts have Crohn's and my brother has ulcerative colitis. Mm. And like my brother had his colon removed when wow. he was in his early 20s. So wonder if he knows about that, that potentially he can get in the fast lane at music bar. Just get, no, it's it's not get in the fast lane. It's go up the exit. Um, <laughs> at least it's six flags. I, I would say uh, that's a fast lane. <laughs> Yeah, it's the right. fastest lane. The fastest lane. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, just tell him to get a note from his doctor. So, and this has been your weekly Aaron has Crohn's disease and is rubbing it in your face moment. <laughs> well, it could go along with our public service announcement about don't go on ladders. So <laughs> <laughs> we're helping everybody out this week. Everybody's got something that they can take away from today. <laughs> Well, one more thing before we move on, and that's I want to remind everybody about the Sposcars. What the Sposcars is, is uh, it's the day of of the Oscars. Well, first of all, it's this whole event, everything leading up to the Oscars. But I want to remind people about two specific things. Number one is that um, right now, actually, if you go to SifPop.com and you click the tab that says Sposcars, um, you can fill out a Google form that allows you to make your predictions about, um, about what you um, – uh, what you think is going to win the awards based off of the current nominations, uh, and you'll 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 give your guesses. Um, and I think the winner uh, last year it was got to like leave a voicemail on Sif Pop Weekly. I imagine it's probably the same, um, but there's some sort of prize if you win. And uh, but either way, it's just a lot of fun, even if there's no prize. So um, go to sifpop.com, click Sposkers. And uh, fill out your form, make your predictions on which you, what you think is going to win the best of every category. I've already done mine. It's been a good part. Uh, then the other thing is on the night of the Oscars, uh, just before the broadcast starts, go to YouTube, make sure you surf, search Sif Pop, find that, and there will be a live stream between Aaron and Andrew and some of the other writers, and they'll be um, talking, uh, doing a live commentary of the show. So um, it's not going to be your, oh, look at this outfit that this person's wearing. I mean, it might be some of that, but like, it's not like you're watching E or anything like that. It's like, it's like I can't believe that this movie is getting nominated. And like, what did you think about this one? Remind me. And like, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of movies that got nominated that they just didn't get a chance to cover because, you know, they always slip under the radar. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, it's a really good time. I had a lot of fun, um, uh, we'll be playing along last year. So, uh, make sure to check that out. And, uh, 
fresh off the press, uh, decided about 10 minutes before we started recording. Uh, this podcast is, we don't have an Oscars pre-show coming out. Um, I already mentioned that I'll be doing it with Robert. I'll make sure to share it. Um, but, uh, but what we are going to do on this podcast is the day before the Oscars this year, we're going to reevaluate the 2020 Oscars about 2019 movies. And, uh, we'll be talking, uh, we'll be re-giving out all the awards. Uh, maybe not all of them, like, cause I don't super care about, you know, uh, the, the ones that I don't know anything about. So, uh, but at least the big ones, you know, at least actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting actress, picture, cinematography, um, you know, at least, at least kind of the big ones. Uh, and, uh, and we'll be, we'll be re-giving out the Oscars a one year later kind of thing. Um, and I hope to do that every year. I think that'll be a lot of fun. So, um, that's the last of the plugs, uh, everything Oscar season reminder that by the way, a reminder the Oscars are April 25, April 25th. Um, so I, uh, will be having a small, small Oscar party now that I just got my second COVID shot. Woo! I just got my first one. So I am still feeling the symptoms. <laughs> We're getting through it though. <laughs> Well, you could you could convince me of Easter. <laughs> well, Shane, you ready to talk about some movies? Sure am. Great. Well, let's move on to the coming attraction. We'll be talking about Voyagers and the Nevers. Uh, we'll start with Voyagers this week because it comes out chronologically first. This is a uh, movie coming out on April 9th. And um, so that'll be a theaters only. I'm pretty sure I haven't heard anything about PVOD. I'm pretty sure it's theaters only and it's not. Like I'm pretty a, sure it is too. It's not like an HBO max one either. Uh, but Voyager is coming out. Um, this stars Colin Farrell and a couple other names that you might recognize uh, that we'll get into in just a second. But uh, the synopsis for this movie is a crew of astronauts on a multi-generational mission descend into paranoia and madness, not knowing what's real or not. And like, that's again with the synopsis. I just pull them straight out of IMDb, and like I've seen the trailer, and so I know that it's a little bit more than that. Um, but for people that I, I don't want to give away story elements um, or anything like that, um, out of respect for people that um, want to go in fresh, so we'll just be talking about our general thoughts. So, um, Shane, Voyagers on the on the scale, we recently revised this. Uh, would you go? Uh, again, no COVID in the world, and uh, you know, and theaters are open to the fullest and all that. Um, would you be checking this one out opening weekend? Would you wait for a discount night? Would you wait to rent, it, rent wait to rent it at home? Would you catch it on a streaming service you already pay for? Are you just not interested in watching this movie? I would probably be seeing this opening weekend. Okay, because huge fan of sci-fi. This has my attention. I'm a big Colin Farrell fan. So that gets me excited. Yeah. Main drawback is looking at Neil Berger, like the illusionist. I really like Mm -hmm. the dude that did divergent. (laughs) So that's, so that's a thing. And I enjoyed the upside. So like, I don't think any of these are like, that gets me excited specifically about who's directing this. But I think based off of, the premise like science fiction and it was a really talented young cast too because like i'm a fan of ty sheridan ever since the mud days yeah. uh fionn whitehead lily rose depp uh 
Bram the Broken is in this. (laughs) And like, we might be talking about him later. I have, I have some hope here. So mostly because of Colin Farrell and the genre, this is getting me out there that first weekend. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stick with rent. I think rent at home. Um, because I'm, I I think that this is either going to be really good or really bad. Um, and I'm just not sure which one it's going to be this, everything about this movie is getting me passenger vibes and I really like passengers. Uh, but I thought the trailer was epic. Uh, but the movie and the trailer were so inherently different. Um, I, for some reason I'm getting holy passenger vibes and, um, I'm not sure, um, which, which, if this is going to be really good or really bad for me, uh, cause I understand if people don't like passengers, I think a lot of that is the marketing. Um, but uh, but well, I really do like. Do you passenger. think they didn't want to try to sell that Chris Pratt makes some very questionable decisions in that movie yeah. that challenges you on an ethical level? Right, because it certainly does. Right. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I'm just getting passenger vibes from it, and that's not a good or a bad thing. It's just a it, it confuses me mostly. Uh, and look, got uh, the the BEC for this week's SIFPOP.com, um, uh, So coming out on Friday morning is best ever Colin Farrell movies. And as Robert and I were putting together the list of like ones that we're going to suggest that everybody writes about, this guy's got an excellent filmography. Like, has he made bad movies? Like Alexander. Uh, all right. I mean, that's fair. I didn't see it. Um, well, but, I feel like he reached a certain point in his career where things definitely turned around. Oh, he's an like, Artemis file. I take everything I said back. <laughs> uh, he, Let's be real here. Here's barely an Artemis Fowl. I didn't see Artemis Fowl, but he was also in Dumbo. So, but like, look, the, the gentleman, um, Widows. It was pretty oh, small man. Widows. Um, f- the first Fantastic Beast is okay. It's it's not anything great. Um, I mean, True Detective season two, he's not bad in. Um, there's lots of things bad about that, but he's not bad. Um, the Lobster, um, Saving Mr. Banks, Seven Psychopaths. I like the Total Recall remake. Uh, I think it's okay. Horrible Bosses. Um, let's see. There's a fan base out there for Crazy Heart. Uh, in Bruges, of course. Um, he has an episode in Scrubs, and anybody that has an episode in Scrubs has my heart. And then you have my film, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. The Killing of the Sacred Deer? I want to let all of you know, do not watch that with your mother. Because <laughs> I did. It was really awkward. And like, look, the the director's cut of Daredevil is good. And uh, and look, he's Minority Report, uh, Phone Booth. This guy's got uh, Tigerland. This is an excellent filmography. Uh, but we already knew that about Colin Farrell. You got t- uh, Ty Sheridan, and look, I like Ready Player One. Um, I don't really remember off the top of my head other things I've seen him in. I haven't seen Mud. Um, uh, oh, that's right. He's Scott Summers in uh, X Men Apocalypse, and we're just not going to talk about that at all. Uh, and Dark Phoenix, which I haven't seen. But uh, he gets to drop an F word <laughs> in Dark Phoenix. Felt really awkward. Oh, well, now I have to watch it. <laughs> uh, and we got uh, Lily Rose Depp, um, probably most known for Yoga Hosers and Tusk. Well, I'm more known for being Johnny Depp's daughter, you know. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Well, and F- and Fionn Whitehead, um, if you don't recognize the name, he's the guy that doesn't talk in Dunkirk. So, uh, Along yeah. with many other people that. Don't talk a whole lot in Dunkirk. Because right. why waste all the tension? Right. <laughs> with people talking with each other. 
my favorite movies are movies where people don't talk. <laughs> no, um, and and of course, Brand the Broken. Uh, there, I mean, so there's some like promising upside to this, but you mentioned Neil Berger, and it's hard to get excited about because The Illusionist is a, is a fine movie. Um, I think it just got overshadowed by The Prestige, and it, like, poor it, time to release that. Right. Uh, but, but like you also mentioned, um, he. I mean, I didn't see Divergent, um, but that is a very much a my wife movie, not a my movie. Uh, I didn't see the upside, but I'm going to watch The Intouchables at some point. Um, and, uh, I mean, the only other one that I really recognize is Limitless, and that is a um, – that's a movie. Um, I, don't, I don't have it's any – It's a movie. Things. It had Bradley Cooper in it. It had Robert De Niro in it. It had the most useless how-did-I-get-here moment uh, at the start to open up a film. Um, yeah, lots of, lots of not great things about Limitless. Um, so yeah, you're right. His filmography just doesn't, doesn't make me excited. Uh, but I think the concept here is interesting. Um, and I'm a worry this is going to get a little bit too YA love triangle stuff. I mean, cause you have a bunch of young hot people in this movie. So like that's, that's what happens. Right. Cause you have to have that then. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so basically uh, I've, been, I've been watching a lot of the, weekend. uh, and let watching... you know if you should rent it later yeah 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 you'll watch it opening weekend and tell me yeah i actually spend the 6.99 or whatever it is um i've been watching a lot of screen rants pitch meetings lately and and my some of my favorite jokes are just the like oh like and when why do they get together oh because they're both hot like yeah <laughs> that, that about explains why elizabeth olsen and aaron taylor johnson are together in godzilla <laughs> but um <laughs> Because I guess they're both people, right? <laughs> they have characterization, right? Um, in other movies, they do. <laughs> and this is why you don't kill Brian Cranston a third of the way through your movie. <laughs> well, we're, we'll move on for 2014 Godzilla because that was last week's episode. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's just enough. There's enough intrigue here that I'm, I'm kind of excited to see this. Um, and um, but but I think this has the potential to go horribly wrong. Um, and I'm just not sure yeah. where, where it's going to be. So, um, you know, I, based off of the reviews, I feel like it could be left up, uh, put up or down, but I do feel like even passengers got bad reviews and I still watch that pretty much right when it came out on video on demand. So like, I feel like this could be the same situation. I'll be like, Oh yeah, well, like this is good. Everybody else is just, you know, bad. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm, it looks like I'm going to have a screener by the end of the week. Okay. So I'm looking forward to seeing that because this is definitely not one that I would be renting myself a theater to go see. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, I, uh, gosh, I don't, I don't think I have anything else to say because, like I said, I think I think suspense and intrigue here, and I don't really kind of want to, I don't want to lead people on to what what that might be, and I'm not sure myself what that might be, um, but I think, uh. Let you let them learn for themselves. Yeah, let them learn for themselves. I don't. I don't have anything else to say. But like, there's there's some promising things about it, and there's some not so promising things about it. And I feel like it all just kind of equals out. And so that's why I'm going to land on rent. Um, so check it out in theaters April 9th or later. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk about the Nevers then. This is a, a a TV show coming out. There's only six episodes. I don't know if this is a mini series or a TV series. So it's only gonna be six episodes uh, released on Sunday nights on HBO, HBO and HBO Max. I think. Uh, I yep. think it'll be both. Um, Usually, uh, the HBO shows that 
air live the second they're on hbo on the channel they're available on hbo max yeah that's what i thought but i know sometimes they have hbo max exclusives and yeah um i I think this is a standard um hbo show that they'll put on yeah because they just wrapped up their um because this is supposed to debut on sunday the 11th they just wrapped up their sunday night show with a q oh yeah so that just wrapped up this past week so this is starting fresh yep starting fresh so next so sunday night this sunday night um check out uh well maybe check out the nevers um synopsis for this movie is it follows a gang of victoria victorian women who find themselves with unusual abilities relentless enemies and a mission that might change the world very vague but you got victorian area era um and you know other things that we'll talk about in a second but uh shane let's just assume the nevers was going to be a movie instead of a tv series uh same scale um you're gonna go opening weekend you're gonna catch a uh, discount night you're gonna wait to rent uh you're gonna wait till it's on a streaming service you already paid for you're just not interested in seeing this movie this is gonna sound silly okay but i'm going completely with the matinee and the reason i'm going that high is because i saw one picture of nick frost in this really impressive purple suit Okay. Three piece suit, and I enjoy Nick Frost enough for me to, to watch the show at least a little bit. But like, I don't know. I literally did not hear about this until today. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm like, I had no idea this was coming out, and they... I just happened to see something on Twitter today about it. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, this is a thing. When's this start? Oh, it starts this week. <laughs> they they announced this like last summer. Um, I don't. I could be wrong. Um, I don't think this is based off of any source material. Um, I think it's just um, just around. But I, I remember it got a big splash because this is before Joss Whedon wound up being a a, a jerk. Um, yeah, because and, and when he, he was when he was doing something new, that was something to be excited about. Well, he he wrote all of the episodes and he directed three of them. So according to IMDb, and like. I'm trying to think. I don't even, besides Firefly, I don't think I've really watched any other Joss Whedon shows or anything like that. And, like, I love Firefly. I never really watched Buffy or Angel, I guess. Yeah. And in hindsight now, I think the Russo Brothers Avengers films I like more than the Joss Whedon Avengers films. So I'm kind of like sitting here like, I don't know how much like Joss Whedon's going to convince me to watch a particular show, especially not now. Um, But like, (laughs) but I mean, how much of that is due to the writing though? Because Whedon wrote the two Avengers movies and Marcus and McFeely wrote Infinity War and Endgame. And Um, they're great. Right. Um, Anyway. um, So yeah, yeah, those are my thoughts. I'm going to go matinee as well. Um, And there's really only like one thing, two things keeping me out of opening weekend. Um, um, and that is, so first of all, I think this looks really cool. Um, I think visually it has a really cool uh, thing to it. I like the, gosh, I can't remember if we've ever gotten a Victorian era, actually something, especially with a budget. Um, and definitely like a Victorian era, like action. Um, so I'm really excited to see that. I, I, I could be just missing something obvious, but I feel like this is a relatively unexplored area in film and TV. Um, I don't know. You can correct me. <laughs> 
Would um, that include Sherlock Holmes, as in, like, Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes? Because, but this, boy, did but, they lean in the action there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, but I mean, like, this is very Victorian. Um, and uh, Sherlock Holmes, the, the, you know, every iteration before um, the Benedict Cumberbatch one are, I, I would call them, like, old-timey London, but I'd call them more like, I don't know, like, Jack the Ripper era, as opposed to Victorian, which... I feel like are pretty similar, but not quite like, uh, like a, not full blown Victorian. They're kind of like as Victorian era is leaving. Um, and you're really trying to usher in the new age. Um, I, I don't like, I feel like that intrigues me. Um, it looks like there's some gadgets. This would be really cool. Um, here's, here's the thing. Uh, the, the other thing that's keeping me from, from opening weekend. And that is that nothing about this trailer really made me like super excited. Um, and so like a concept could make me super excited and a trailer could be dull and that's to be like, okay, but that's a cool concept. So I got to go check that out. There, there was never any oomph for me. Um, never any spark of energy, um, from the trailer, from casting, from, uh, you know, anything really. I mean, maybe the biggest oomph is that this is from HBO and HBO makes good TV. Um, in case you haven't heard. (laughs) Um, so I'll say that, but the thing that the thing that is keeping me in matinee as opposed to like rent or streaming is that this feels like everything that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen should have been. Like this makes <laughs> <laughs> me so sad. I gestured a, one single tear going down my face. <laughs> this, yeah this this feels like um, this feels like it was probably like it was adapted from that time, but you, you take away the, I mean, you have fantastical characters here, but you, you put different fantastical characters here. Um, and you, you take away your source material and you just allow yourself everything to do. But like, you know, the restoring your gentleman also had the, uh, like there was a car gadget that was well above its time, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, I, th- everything about this felt like they're female rebooting League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and like I'm, I'm here for it. Like, um, you know, uh, I, I, but this time around they don't have a Sean Connery. Oh, tear. We don't know that. We don't know that. Maybe he's in a post credit scene somewhere. <laughs> I doubt it. Oh, um, man. This would be the one thing that he filmed before he passed away. Nah, he'd probably fill the cameo for Bond if he was going to do anything. But or he come, he just come back as Bond for a third time, you know. Um. Apparently, they tried to get him for Skyfall. Oh, and as what, the old man in the cabin, as Kincaid. Yeah, that that Albert Finney was great though. I would have loved it. Oh, they, I. They should have just. They should. They should have just said that Albert Finney was Sean Connery. What they a lost just straight up went it. For it. Yeah, uh, or just got like. Uh, um, uh, Lazenby, or you know, it's it's just one of the other ones. If you can't get actual you know, Timothy good. Dalton, mm. that'd have been fun. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, back to oh, the never. <laughs> back to the never. Like this setting really intrigues me, and the fact that this feels like what League of Extraordinary Gentlemen should have been. And I am not familiar with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen like source. Um, mm-hmm. I am familiar with the movie at least slightly. Um, and that's not a great thing. So, <laughs> oh, I watched it a lot. Okay, as a kid, like I a lot. It, I watched it so, once in high school. So this is going to be an interesting segue because, as like 
11 and 12 year old Shane, I watched a lot of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Van Helsing. They were like the greatest movies ever made to me then. And thinking about it now, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot of movies I have that are, that fit that bill. Um, so, um, yeah, I just, I'm going to check this out, obviously, like pretty quickly. Um, and especially because like, I, I want to, um, you know, it's so easy to be spoiled on anything, especially something like that's not as high profile as something like, you know, Mandalorian or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision. Like, I feel like that stuff is super high priority. And, and so like people understand, like, don't tweet about stuff. Give it a little bit of time to breathe. But like for something like the Nevers, like who's talking about the Nevers? So, um, I mean, lots of, I think lots of people will be because HBO and this era and all that. Um, but I'll, I'll be checking it out. Uh, I'm excited. Um, but like I said, if this were a theater for me, I'd I'd just go in with a little hesitancy because there was mm-hmm. never any oomph. Um, but um, yeah, that's uh, that's what I got. Do you have any other thoughts? Not really, but I will be watching it. So at least HBO has my eyes. Well, we'll be having something to talk about next time you're on. Then <laughs> um, sounds good. So the Never is uh, again six episodes starting this Sunday on HBO and HBO max. And, uh, not sure if that's a TV series or a mini series, but we're getting at least six episodes. So, um, there's that, uh, let's move on to the SIF topic. Let's, uh, let's start talking about what we really came here to do. And, uh, let's talk about some Jimmy Neutron boy genius. Oh gosh. Um, Shane, what's your history with this movie? So, not going to lie, my two favorite shows as a kid were Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius and Fairly Odd Parents. Hold on, hold on. The Adventures of Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. Yes, The Adventures of Jimmy Neutron. So I remember watching, because like I definitely did not see Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius in the theaters. Okay. But I remember seeing it and then being hooked with the show. And it was one of my favorite shows. I thought it was so cool. He did science. And... Now it's hilarious looking back and like, I think his dad was my favorite character. Cause <laughs> Hugh, Hugh we will Neutron. for sure talk about Hugh. We will for <laughs> sure talk about Hugh. What's hilarious is I still quote every so often from the Ice Age episode of all the dads going around being ugh, glug, glug, yeah, ugh, glug, glug, yeah, ooh, caribou. <laughs> Ugh, glug, glug, yeah. And everybody just looks at you like a crazy person. <laughs> yes. But it has been ingrained in my childhood. But yes, I had this on DVD. I watched it a lot. A lot. And yeah. I watched the show a lot. So yeah. this made up a lot of time in my childhood. Sure. Um, I didn't have cable growing up, so I didn't have access to the show. Um, I would catch it on reruns every now and then, uh, and I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. But, uh, at that point, like things were already off and, um, you know, Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon and Disney, like when you only have like a little bit to get in all your stuff, then, you know, cause you're spending the weekend at grandma's or something like that. Then, uh, um, yeah. And you know, a little bit more of a codename kid, codename kids next door kind of kid. So you know, adventures of, uh, grim adventures of Billy and Mandy. And, you know, that at Ed and Eddie, that's a little bit more my cup of tea. Um, apparently I'm a little bit more, 
apparently I'm a little bit more Cartoon Network than I am Nickelodeon. But uh, I was definitely a Nickelodeon kid. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sure I'd have watched all of the stuff that I had cable, but um, but yeah, I I, I had the movie, um, had it on VHS, and uh, um, I had seen it probably thirty times. Uh, but it was one of those haven't seen it in fifteen years, just kind of because, um, partly because. You know, um, I grew up a little bit and then all of a sudden I was in middle school and high school and starting to form actually being a movie person and movie people don't typically watch things like Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, um, 15 years after they come out. So, um, yeah, um, especially if you've already seen it 30 times, you know, here's an interesting thing. So to put some context to this, so 2001 was the first ever Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. Mm -hmm. And this was back when they only had three nominees. Yes. This was up against Monsters, Inc. and Shrek Mm -hmm. for the first ever Best Animated Feature Oscar. I mean, what was the other competition? (laughs) Well, Jimmy Neutron was no competition. (laughs) Because it was literally Shrek look, and look, Monsters, Inc. Look, and, and the Academy picked wrong. Should have been Monsters, Inc. But. So, Monsters, Inc. is actually my favorite Pixar film. Mm-hmm. But my favorite animated film of all time is Shrek. Wow. So, all right. I'll have that conversation, but we're here to talk about Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, well, so but, here's here's the weird thing, too. Shane's filling in last minute because Vincent was supposed to come up. He has computer issues and just couldn't couldn't wait any longer so he's just gonna come on a little bit later um and um you know stuff like this just happens when you're not together um we were supposed to talk about chicken run which came out the year before this and is the reason why there's an animated feature because everybody was like hey this is so good and the academy didn't put it in best picture and they're like so we need to have something that we can do to where we can still get it. Cause even if it was nominated, there's no way chicken run was going to win. Um, Here's the thing, you know, you're special as an animated film when you can homage the great escape and make that work in a movie about a bunch of chickens. Like fair. as a kid who grew well, up watching the great escape a lot with his grandpa, I remember watching chicken run and being like, I understand yeah. those references. I love me some art. Well, <laughs> oh yeah, because Sean the Sheep Farmageddon was like your fifth favorite movie of all time last year. So, or not of all time, of twenty twenty. And the fact that they got nominated um, this year made me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah. So anyway, so um, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Gene. Like I said, I just watched this a bunch and then just kind of didn't for a while. Um, but let me tell you, it felt like I I had. Um, Felt like I'd watched it every day since I was, you know, eight. Um, uh, let's see the 2001 movie. Uh, if you know it, you know it. Um, this is streaming on Netflix, by the way. Um, if you're interested in revisiting this, um, and also full disclosure, we'll be spoiling this movie. We'll talk openly about it, but I don't think it's going to hinder your experience at all. And odds are you've seen this movie if you're, you know, either a very big into animation or, you know, my age, <laughs> our age. So, um, gosh, um, let's start off with Shane. I think I know where you're going, but do you like it? Love it, hate it, dislike it. I think it's just okay. I still like it. 
I still have fun with it. Okay. And like, objectively though, is this a good movie? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) It's very predictable. It doesn't really do anything big, bold, or interesting, but you have aliens shaped like eggs voiced by Patrick Stewart or Martin Short, and people all do the chicken dance to a giant chicken named Poltra, and Poltra din din, like, that's a different kind of level of watching a movie. (laughs) I am also going to land and liked it. Um... (laughs) I'm going to disagree with you, though. Um, I think this movie is hecka entertaining, as the youth say. At least probably five years ago, they would say hecka. Um, I think this is uh, this is entertaining. Uh, but I also I disagree with you on is it the best like structure wise? And you're like you, the way you were making it sound is like this would be like Inspector Gadget level, and like. Look, it held up a little bit better than what I thought it was going to in terms mm-hmm. of like structure and things like that. But let's be clear. Story and plot structure are not going to be the reason that you will like or enjoy this movie or the, even the reasons you should watch this movie. Um, and ultimately, that's why this movie is a win. And um, uh, and I had a good time. I, I'm going to like low side. I liked it. You know, like um, I definitely zoned out at some point and was checking my phone. Um, uh, right about the time that they went to space. Um, and so because they're the kids in America. <laughs> because they were the well, now they're the kids in outer space. You know. Yep. Um So, <laughs> um, I, but I, 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 I felt like I don't feel like I missed anything though because I feel like I was again reliving this movie as if I had just watched it yesterday. Um, let's see, Shane, where do you want to start in actually talking about this movie? I guess <clears throat> I guess starting off with like the whole setup of the film is, you know, Jimmy Neutron. Yep. He's a boy genius. He yep. has brain blasts. He has his dog Goddard. And this kid is way too smart for his own good and basically annoys everybody else in town except for his two best friends who might also be the most annoying kids in town in Carl and Sheen. I know some people have very strong feelings about Sheen and how annoying they find him, but not going to lie. I wanted to own an ultra Lord. So it's sold me. In this yeah. Movie. Yeah. I mean, the people that are bad mouthing Sheen um, can go away. <laughs> But you have... Apparently like, he got his own spinoff show in 2010. He did, indeed. <laughs> I want to watch that now. <laughs> they went to some bold places with the Jimmy Neutron, the Ventures of Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. Uh-huh. Um, but in terms of the film, like the whole entire idea is like Jimmy's too smart for his own good. He doesn't want his parents around. And all of a sudden, parents disappear. Because they all get yep. abducted by... Egg-shaped aliens, yep, who want to feed them to their giant chicken overlord. That happens. So, it's a it's an interesting idea, and it's very interesting that they got Patrick Stewart and Martin Short to be in this movie. 
Yeah. Well, and like, look, there's a lot of other great names in here. I mean, you got, um, uh, let's see, uh, Jim Cummings playing Ultra Lord. Uh, that's a relatively small role, but like Jim Cummings is a big name. Yeah. Um, and uh, I know a lot of legends of voice acting in here too, but um, yeah, like again, Martin Sheen and Patrick Stewart, Jim Cummings. A lot of these people are legends in the voice animation department. Uh, D. Bradley Baker, you know, mm-hmm. the voice of everybody from Clone Wars, and uh, yeah, Frank Welker in there as well. Yeah, like solid, solid, uh, solid crew. Um, yeah, look, this setup is ridiculous, and. There's everything about this movie is either I really dug it or I really just didn't. Um, and but you know, as a kid, I, di- I didn't super care. I probably felt the same of like I didn't like it, but like, um, you know, it, it's more so like I don't know what else you do or like whatever. I'm a kid watching a kid's movie, so um, I want to start off with the animation style because you know, we talked about the premise and the ridiculousness of that. Like, I want to start with the animation style because, um, I love it. I really love this animation style. Um, and surprisingly, I think it holds up really well. Uh, now, when you think of 2001, that's what I'm saying. Because, like, it, look, I love the first Toy Story, but it is clunky. Um, and, um, you know, and that's, but like, and like, Toy Story 2 is like the year before this, and it's on a god tier, you know, um, of, of animation and continually gets better. Uh, but I expecting 2001 Nickelodeon animation, like I'm not expecting it to do well at all. Uh, but definitely the characters felt okay. It's just the little things like when, when they're eating a bowl of popcorn, like the popcorn looks terrible. Um, it's just some of the little things like that, but all the like main stuff I thought was really well animated, pretty smooth. Uh, not great, you know, not like Pixar level, but like, I was expecting so much worse for a 2001 movie. Well, and I feel like they had some fun sequences where they got to really like have some fun with it. Like the whole entire thing where they decide to turn all the amusement rides into spaceships to go into space. Oh, that was fun. Oh yeah. And I feel like that's where it gets pretty imaginative with how some of those ships work. Well, and so that's part of the reason why, like, I love this animation styles because, like, I. So, so one is is um, is is that it, it's somehow silly yet realistic too. I mean, like, nothing about the shapes of the people are realistic at all. But like, it looks like this is a world. It looks like this is a real lived-in world, as opposed to when you watch some animated shows and you're like, "Oh, this looks like crap." Um, like this, none of this is matching. None of this is believable. Anything like the show kind of contrasts like early 2000s and like 60s in a lot of its style which was interesting like especially with like the mom's like hairstyle and clothes she wore and things like yeah. that yeah and, and, and in general her role in the house like even though she's like by far the more intelligent yeah, yeah. And well, right resourceful well, I mean, but look, if, J- if jimmy can come up with diamonds like that and pearl necklaces neither of them should have to work ever um, right <laughs> but they uh uh but like it, it, some of those things like it, it felt weird but like because they also have like cell phones like oh no they're trying to set it in 2001 not in 1960 okay um but anyway it's a but you're right. Where it really shines is where they could be really creative with this. 
um, I specifically wrote down um, the, uh, the creativity of this movie is really something to admire. Um, I mentioned the amusement park rides turning into um, into spaceships, and I really like how like the jokes paid off as well for that too. They weren't just like, "What can we turn to a spaceship?" But they're like, "But how can we also make a joke out of it later?" Like, because you look at the roller coaster, and even when they're in space, it's still going up and down, and you're like, "It shouldn't be doing that." But it's kind of funny, and you look at the the alien ride, and it's like, wait, is that still spinning? Like, I mean, you know, t- gravity aside, like well, they have the these kids are gonna like, their brains it, gonna turn to mush. They're in helmets, right. swinging around by their heads, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, their heads are coming off. Yeah, in general, heads are coming but, but like they're they like, we're gonna vomit. <laughs> but they managed to make some like the jokes followed through and I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like they set this up to be deliberately this, so they could make this joke later. And like, they thought about it through. They weren't just like, all right, you know, whatever. Um, and, and you, and the Ferris wheel too. Like, I don't think they made any jokes about it. That I saw in space, but, um, yeah, I'm sure there was one in there. It's just kind of trust that about, about this movie. Uh, the other thing I thought was really creative, uh, aside from all the inventions that Jimmy has, uh, which sometimes get complicated because, like, he has a jetpack built in his backpack. Why did he try out the bubblegum thing? Like, you know, try it out later when you're not late and behind missing the bus. Like, whatever. But you, know, you got to experiment some. Try it out a different time. You have yep. a jetpack that functional. Anyway, um, but, you know, it's still it's creative. And, and the, the Jimmy getting ready for school sequence I thought was really creative and interesting. You could tell the animators were having fun with it i mean you have the spaceship alarm clock you have the 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 vr simulator toothbrush thing yeah yeah and you have uh but not a vr simulator like it's a headset that laser targets laser clean your teeth right and you have the 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 barber thing which of course is ridiculous because he goes from a mohawk to a full head of hair and that's not how hair works but (laughs) but again they're having fun with it and it's just something to admire. Hey, I definitely want to go to uh, their little their little uh, watering hole in town. <laughs> I want to go there too. And it's just like it's interesting that you bring up the whole like it's some weird mix between sixties and modern time because yeah. it is true. And I don't know if I really thought about that before, but it is true. And mom's hairstyle immediately got me thinking that. And Hugh loves his ducks. (laughs) Gotta love your ducks. Ducks everywhere. (laughs) I also want to mention you were talking about the ridiculous of these people. And I never noticed this because I was a kid. uh, But their spaceships are also shaped like rubber chickens. (laughs) It's just, it made me me giggle. (laughs) Which... I think it was inspired because like you, you understand at that point, the level of 3d animation. Yeah. They chose designs for the aliens that were silly and fun, but probably weren't too hard to realize in that technology, which is also why like the designs still work. Yeah. And they're silly. They're giant green globs inside egg shaped (laughs) little containers. Yeah. And it, Makes sense. They're consistent. They're eggs. They have a giant chicken. They is, have giant on, chicken chips. Is this movie the Zathura to Chicken Runs Jumanji? Is this is this like a like a reboot sequel in space? 
<laughs> is Ginger the the giant chicken, the the Chickasaurus or whatever it is? Uh, I don't know, but <laughs> it's a it's a it's an interesting situation. This movie, and I think <laughs> the point where they have all the adults doing the chicken dance <laughs> in front of a giant chicken, like giant chicken dinosaur hybrid thing. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and like, why the chicken dance? Do these aliens know about the chicken dance? Did the aliens invent the chicken dance? I like to think did, the aliens invented the chicken dance. Did we appropriate yeah. the chicken dance? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We saw aliens. the aliens. Yep. Yep. Maybe this is also also story. the English language. We stole that from them too. Yes, other important point. <laughs> uh, and uh, and the idea of like kings and you know monarchy and things like that too. That was all. They definitely have their monarchy. And yep. and the and the on. ancient humans learned gladiator style from them. So you have to say you need somebody regal, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> like you can't go wrong with that so right. a smart casting and like of course you need a loud obnoxious like right hand guy gotta get martin short yep because martin short was at the peak of he did like prince of egypt with mm. steve martin and like he was definitely doing animation at the time so like it's a it's a fun movie and i'm trying to remember the last time i watched this it has had to be years but the thing is i still remember still remember from start to finish this crazy movie but it get, leaves an imprint like lasting imprint on you yeah having watched something like this and like how often did that happen where it's like you had a movie and then it launched a whole entire tv series like that oh this happened all the times in the early 2000s or like a movie would do really well, and instead of Disney making the direct to, see, to, to video releases, they would do um, a TV series on Disney. Channel. Oh yeah, because we had Hercules. Right, there was a Hercules series. Um, they, there was a Little Mermaid series. Uh, I think both of those were on Disney Plus. Um, they had Kronk's New Groove. Kronk's New Groove, right? Which and, we uh, all realized who's the best character in this movie. Uh, Kronk. Kronk. Yeah. Uh, and, and no no Crocs New Groove was a movie it was the Emperor's New School that was the TV oh. show um, uh, and you got um, uh, gosh um, Lilo and Stitch um, pumped out a couple yeah. movies and then a TV show like this happened all the time so um, like this, this is, is prime time of this like really becoming a big thing and it's just like Nickelodeon's like we want to do it too I mean this this might this might have been one of the things that kick started that um, definitely, I think what kickstarted it for Nickelodeon, um, I could be wrong about that, but you know, you, if you can release a movie and make money and people like it and it makes money, then you've just funded your first season. And if people are watching it, like, you know, like it's a, not a bad strategy release, re- you know, take a little bit of money, make a movie, make a lot of money, now make your TV show. Like, you know, I, I have to imagine I mean, streaming, streaming days now, um, you know, there's a little bit less, well, I mean, not there's less revenue, but like, I, I don't know how much Disney is looking at how many people are watching Encore based off of how much we can budget for that. But yeah, cause like looking at this, like this spawned a TV show that lasted from 2002 to 2006. That's impressive. 
and I'm pretty yeah. sure I've seen like every single episode of the show. <laughs> yes, I, I can't, I'm trying to think. I don't think any. This has to be like the prime example of a movie launching a TV show, um, in animation like around this time without prior. This wasn't a spinoff. This wasn't um, like a like a show existed. Then there was a movie. Um, there was nothing like that. Uh, this is just straight up movie and then TV show. Yeah, because I know it just happened very recently with Trolls because they had Trolls World Tour, which that's going to be a very infamous film moving forward. <laughs> but they have Trolls Topia, which is a direct sequel series that's on Peacock and Hulu now. Oh, I didn't and, know about that, but I'm not interested in checking that out. <laughs> I don't think it's going to sell you on and if you didn't love Trolls. Oh, I never um, saw them, but I'm probably not going to. So... But, like, even just sitting here well, talking about this makes me happy thinking about Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> so the existence of Netflix and Disney Plus have made a lot of those sequel series, like, happening. And uh, um, and, and now, I mean, you add Peacock in the mix and Paramount Plus um, into the mix, like, all these doing it. I mean, these, this is relatively common, you know, low-budget sequel. Anyways, um, How to Train Your Dragon, got it? Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty sure there was a um, – there might have been a Shrek thing, something. No, I don't think so. Um, Cars, Cars got it um, on Netflix. Um, there was, um, gosh, excuse me. Uh, there was, oh, jeez, trying to remember. like um, Ice Age. I think had a Netflix. Um, lot, lots of things. I, I'm, I'm sure I can think of a couple more examples, but uh, so basically, me bringing this up, that's like, how often does this happen? This happens a lot. It so. kind of does. Yeah, it kind of does. And, like, this, I think this film so perfectly set up this world, these characters, and it was ripe for making a TV spinoff. Because if they weren't, like, if they weren't intending on making a whole bunch of movies about this, and I feel like the nature of it's perfectly episodic because Jimmy's just going to come up with a new thing and completely ruin the day and then have to figure out how to fix it. Right. And obviously this one's a big scale. Cause I remember they brought these characters back for episodes of the show. Yeah, they did. And obviously they weren't as big budgeted and stuff like that in the show, but like this felt like a big budgeted animated film and it had scope went off into space adventures and space fights and stuff like that. And you had giant monsters. And I just like, the more I think about it, I was like, this is just a, such a fun time. And I kind of want to watch Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius again. <laughs> well, I, I looked at it uh, is available on one of the prime video channels for like next something. Yeah. There's a, let's see, just looking down here um, on Netflix animated TV. Um, there is, uh, like I mentioned, the How to Train Your Dragon one. Um, there is also um, a Shaun the Sheep one, which Shaun the Sheep released the the second Shaun the Sheep movie. Anyway, the Shaun the Sheep Adventures from Missy Bottom, Mossy Bottom. Sorry, um, I know I gotta get that right. Uh, Boss Baby. That was was a pretty popular example. It's already oh, I remember when that came out. Yeah, Boss Baby's got the the sequel series. Um, uh, yeah, Trolls. The beat goes on is here. Dawn of the Crudes. Um, so Crudes one. Um, 
if the Croods have more tenacious D covers of cheesy seventies music, totally watch that show. Yeah, uh, and there here it is. Um, Shrek's Swamp, Swamp Stories. So yeah, there was a there was a Shrek one. Um, yeah, and, and with Paramount Plus announcing a lot of the new stuff too, like the Rugrats reboot, I would be surprised um, if we don't get more stuff like that. Um, oh, like. I, Jimmy Neutron's coming back. Fairly Odd Parents are coming back. Right. S- screw Nickelodeon. Let's throw everything on Paramount Plus now. I feel like what's what's going to happen is you know instead of getting those directed DVD releases, we're just going to start getting continuation sequel series for these lo- for these low budget animated stuff. Um, and and if they do well, then maybe if they do really well like Trolls, then you know they'll get their sequel and all that. But who cares? They don't need to consider them canon. Nobody cares about canon for kids movies anyways. Um, you know, kids def- certainly don't. Definitely, definitely, right, definitely kids. Um, the only other notes I have, I'm, I could definitely talk about this movie more if there's other things. Um, but uh, it's hard to, it's hard to like have notes about this movie other than, other than just like moments you like and moments you didn't. Um, mm-hmm. And there's very few that I didn't. Um, and so I, I just wrote down things that made me chuckle. Um, and again, I kind of, I kind of zoned out a little bit more. Um, towards the second half, but we and we've already talked about some of the things like the chicken dance and the the giant chicken and uh, gosh, lots of things to really love about that second, not second half, last third. Um, uh, lots of stuff to love there, but I said the the jokes are just hitting me really hard today uh, because the very first thing and I, I laughed so hard is uh, you mentioned the dad and his ducks because he there he's sitting down for breakfast and he go he's he's go uh, Jimmy come down 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 quack down 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 quack quack and like I just <laughs> I, 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 that was the moment that I'm like I'm in for a good time. I'm, Hugh I'm, Neutron I'm, is on a whole different level than the whole rest of the char- set of characters in the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, and also like, there's been a couple memes that have spawned from this too. So there's the uh, um, where Hugh Hugh comes home from, and Jimmy does the jetpack thing, um, and he show and he shows off, and and the mom's obviously unimpressed, and he well, you gotta admit that is pretty neat. <laughs> um, and there's the um, uh, Jimmy says he launched the toaster into space to try to talk with the aliens, and the mom just goes, "Well, we've told you how many times not to talk to strangers." Like. <laughs> He's communicating with with aliens, and, and like that's a great joke that I never understood as a kid. Uh, I don't, I don't remember it at all. I'm sure if I'd have understood it, I'd remember it. But I laughed this time like quite a bit. Um, and the um, the the teacher, I completely forgot about like the Ms. teacher because <laughs> of her her weird vocal inflections just just slayed me. Um, and because there was no consistency, but it like it was perfect. Uh, like, and, then, uh, <laughs> and then and then they shrink her down and they show her like halfway through the movie and she's she's got a little fort bunker built out and she's fighting that caterpillar from her the worm from yeah. her apple and it's it's maybe the funniest thing in this movie. <laughs> uh, um, and of course, um, something I totally forgot about, but um, but as soon as it happened, I was like, oh. Uh, Carl and the llamas at the petting zoo <laughs> is weird obsession because the because uh you know Vin um not Vince gosh the 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 other friend um Sheen Turbo Man Sheen uh, uh, Ultra Lord uh yeah Ultra Lord the kid that's obsessed with Ultra Lord yeah Sheen um, Sheen yes Sheen um 
like looks at Ultra Lloyd, he's like, oh yeah, and and Jimmy's like, oh cool, I, w- I want to go. Like I think for some other reason, and Carl's like, oh they got a petting zoo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, I want to. Do- he's he- Jimmy and and Sheen are talking about like trying to break out, and Carl's just like, oh I want to touch the llama, and <laughs> so and then, and then they go to the petting zoo, and he just like pokes one, and then you see him walking away with a badge. He's all proud of himself. <laughs> So in 2021, how many of these kids would be uh, would be diagnosed on the autism spectrum? <laughs> Every kid in the show. At least Carl and Sheen probably would be. <laughs> Definitely Sheen, like a hundred percent. My my favorite the thing the scene I remembered most as a kid because it was the thing I thought was the funniest when I was a kid um, was uh, was Sheen. Because no parents, and it just shows he's like the second of the montage. He's like, I'm peeing in the, in the shower. shower, and they do like six or more montages. They come back, he's like, I'm still doing it. Go, go, go. <laughs> and that was the thing I remembered the most. Um, and just gosh, that whole sequence just killed me. And the uh, the thing I think I thought the funniest this time around, like, was the the broadcast that they have the day after. Um, because there's the, they're doing the broadcast and it looks like this, like 2020, you know, going to, you know, the, the ghettos of sixties. Like, like, I just want my mom. Right. <laughs> there's the one kid that's like, somebody hold me. And I'm like, I feel that kid. So. And they're like spoofing like a zombie movie. They're all like coming to right. Jimmy. It's like, I want my mom. Where did my mom go? And, and Jimmy's the- like, you did this. <laughs> and then there's the kid, the, the little girl that's just like crying. She's like, I was on the teeter totter. And then it just fell. And then they they do like a little another monologue, and then they cut to some kids like he challenged me who can eat the most cotton candy, and I won. And then he burps in his shirt burst. <laughs> that had me just cackling the whole way through. I this is what happens if we put the kids in charge during quarantine. <laughs> Anyway, like there's so many funny moments from this. Those are just the ones I decided to write down because they meant something really special to me. And by that point, I'm just like, I'm here for it. Um, probably the only thing that really doesn't work for me is the whole um, conflict with the classmate, the female classmate, uh, because it's, I'm actually jealous of your brain because you're smarter than I am. And then there's also like the like, also, I think you're cute because I'm starting to think that boys are cute now. Like, it's like the whole Arnold Helga situation from Hey Arnold, yeah, except yeah. I don't know if it really works as well. It, it To me, it just dragged the movie down because no part of it was funny or fun in this very funny and very fun movie. That was really my biggest gripe. Um, and, you know, there's a million little gripes you can make about how ridiculous this movie is, but that was really my only one major like, yeah, I mean... This just doesn't work, but I wonder. I wonder how much of this. I wonder if Nickelodeon intended on doing uh, a series, or if this was just going to be a movie, uh, and so, or or if this was like they always intended on doing the series, so they like set up some conflict between some of the characters and have mm-hmm. it be enough for the movie, but let us continue that in the show. Like, I, I wonder how much of that was conversations between Nickelodeon and the writers and director. I uh, I have a singing feeling that they had plans for this into the future. I mean, this came out in twenty twenty or two thousand one, and the series started in two thousand two. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what the... Pl- I'm sure the plan w- with every property is hopefully this takes off, right? So... Because it's always space balls too. The search for more money. What do we right. get in that sequel? Um, all right, I, I think I'm out, and I think uh, I think I've pretty much said my piece with this movie. Uh, you're right; it's silly and it's ridiculous, but it's a good time. I want to watch it again now. So, all right, well, that's that was going to be my answer for you know for the official. Nost- the, I I do think a lot of my love for this movie is nostalgia. Um, I think if you have never seen this movie before, you could do worse. Um, I think this is a fine time if you want to put this on um, and just have a good time. It's like a crisp, crisp 80 minutes. Um, I feel like this would be an okay thing to do. Um, and it's uh, an Academy it, Award nominated film. Academy Award nominated Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. Um, um, so Academy Award nominated Mulan. But... Except this was nominated for the whole film. <laughs> to be fair, that is fair. But well, yeah, I, I, for like what costume, costume what design, yeah, yeah. So like, so, so I just I I feel like if you've never seen Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius, like it's on Netflix. Like if you pay for Netflix, give it a shot. Like you could probably you'll probably have a good time. Uh, but if you are like what I presume most people are, and this is a complete point of nostalgia. Uh, if you remember having a good time, you will for sure have a good time. I would absolutely recommend. Give it another shot. There's going to be things that don't hold up about it just because you have an adult brain now. Uh, but there's enough There's enough fun here. That's my official recommendation. What about you? You said you, you already said you want to watch this now. So. Yeah, so I've we've convinced myself that I'm going to go watch <laughs> this again. Uh, nice. Great. Go watch the show, too. Just a little quick fun fact. So, like, they had TV movies of Uh the Avengers of Jimmy Neutron. There was one TV movie where we finally figured out, like, the Rosetta Stone. Okay. And what it was was an invite to a game show in space. And just humans were too dumb to, like, translate it. We've been invited to this game show for so many years. And... They the kids finally get like beamed up and they compete on this like dangerous game show in space and the alien with these magical cufflinks that runs the show is voiced by Tim Allen. Nice. So yeah, that's uh The Adventures of Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> uh, uh and I'm pretty sure they had a TV movie about Poltra coming back. And, like, the aliens being like, no, we're good now. We're not trying to trick you. And I'm like, sure you are. Yeah. Yeah. So you all should watch the show, too. All right. Yeah. Uh, I would I would say, I, you know, look, <sighs> I'm currently doing, like, some older Disney shows. And, yeah, I look, this, this is definitely one that I would consider giving a shot. Um, Again, for sure. But uh, with all that in mind, let's move on to the B-plot. Not related at all to anything that we've talked about earlier, but Shane, we're going to talk about movies that make you cry. Because Jimmy Um, Neutron did not make me cry. (laughs) I was just, I started, uh, I started keeping this list of things that I thought like, oh, that would be an interesting conversation um, in my phone. And this just happened to be on the top of the queue. 
Um, and so I used it for the B plot because I didn't find a way to, I couldn't find a way to tie it in. Um, and, uh, or I did, I didn't think of anything. And so it's just like, go to the list. Uh, and so, uh, movies that make you cry. I mean, like we talk about movies that make us cry, um, when they come up in conversation, but now here's, here's the ones that lay it all on the line. If you want to see a grown man cry, uh, at least these grown men cry. Uh, here's, here's the movies to put on, uh, Shane, I, I have 10. How many do you have listed? I had four because I actually have something to say. I cry very, very rarely. Okay. And just in general, I felt like, so I'm going to get a little heavy here. So I got bullied for almost my whole entire life growing Mm -hmm. up and I cried a lot. And then once like college hit, I don't cry a whole lot. And Mm -hmm. it takes something really poignant to get me there. You, so, you just got rid of all the tears in your childhood. Yeah, basically. <laughs> you so, have a quota. <laughs> I only have four movies. Okay. That, I like, that's really, fair. I had to really think for the other two, but the first two, uh, like, automatically came right to my head. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I totally understand what you... I, I'm the exact opposite for you. I, I was certainly um, not popular in, in high school. What, what most would consider not popular, but... Uh, uh, but I had a, a good core group of friends. Um, but I, I, I never cried as a kid. Um, I mean, like obviously as a baby, you know, cause every baby cries cause babies are annoying. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but I, I don't recall like, I mean, maybe like once or twice when I really wanted to do something and my mom would say no, but you know, that's not like a real cry. That's a cry for attention. Right. Um, so I don't, I just, I had this thing all of a sudden where, it really wasn't until recently, like um, maybe a year ago, two years ago, like maybe like slightly before I met my wife where all of a sudden, like I'll find myself, I was trying to think of an example. I couldn't remember. We're just watching some movie and it's making me, it was making me cry. I'm like, why am I crying at this dumb movie? Like this dumb animated movie about what, like sometimes the stupidest stuff will set me off. Like we'll set you off. It's like, oh, like um, what are you crying about? Like, I don't know. Like you, certain things you expect it from, and a lot of times animations are going to be the ones that get you. But um, I went ahead and picked ten examples, um, things that make me cry um, every time. And uh, some of these I think are going to be surprising. And I did try to narrow it down to um, different categories. So I have only one Pixar. Uh, no, I have two Pixar because more than that is cheating. So. <laughs> Shane, um, since I have more, I'm going to start and I'll do two and then you can do one and then I'll do two. We'll kind of go back and forth. Sounds that good. Way. Um, I've said this on the podcast before, but Guardians of the Galaxy, um, there are three moments. There is the the mom dying at the beginning. Uh, part of like part of it is the stories that James Gunn is telling in this. Part of it is the choice of soundtrack and score. Um, and part of it is just I think I think he knocks it out of the park in this movie with every single bit. Um, and, uh, so the, the beginning where the mom is, is on her deathbed, um, just really, really gets me every time. Um, similarly, uh, when Groot sacrifices himself, this one I attribute mostly to the score cause it is just perfect in that moment. Um, and then after the dance off fight sequence, when Rocket is crying over Groot's twigs, like I just finally recover and start laughing again and then immediately get brought back into that crying um place so guardians of the galaxy might be a surprise 
Um, and and so we'll match a we'll match a surprise. <laughs> Drax Drax petting <laughs> Rocket on the head because that's the thing too. I start I get emotional and I want to cry again, and then Drax pets him on the head, and I'm back to laughing and I'm having a good time. <laughs> uh, uh, and we'll go with an obvious one. I'll say Toy Story three because if you don't cry, then I don't know you're not human. <laughs> so Shane must not be human. <laughs> I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been accused of being a robot before, which is terrifying <laughs> because I'm a robophobe, so I'd be terrified of myself. It would be the only way to explain how you watch so many movies. Because <laughs> we'll have to find out. <laughs> um, so uh, my first one is Avengers Endgame. And there's mm. three parts here. Okay. So my first time watching the film in theaters, because I saw it twice in theaters, Obviously, it feels like Endgame came out 10 years ago, but I know that it only came out like two years ago. Yeah. But when Steve gets his dance, mm. like I, because like Captain America is my favorite by far of the Avengers. And when he had that moment with Peggy at the end of the film, I just started tearing up just sitting there. I'm like. He had a date and he finally had his dance. And then there's two moments that kind of got me the first time, but they definitely got me the second time watching it. And this one's a smaller one. Cause like when the, and this I think is a hundred percent on Paul Rudd and his acting, when he goes up to the, the door and sees his teenage daughter, because his daughter's like grown up now because five years the look on his face, I just started welling up. I'm like, oh my God, why am I crying? And it was just such a special moment with him and his daughter and that realization. That's 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 a really good one that I probably never would have thought of to guess. Yeah. And then, of course, you know. The third, God, the, when, the third snap. Yeah. When Tony in his little goodbye says love you yeah and looks right at his daughter i'm like oh no and the one that really gets me is when his daughter's like i want cheeseburgers and happy gets choked up Mm -hmm. and he's just like i'm like god damn you john favreau how could you how could you do this to me right now yeah (laughs) because it just works so well but yeah so end game I had a lot of emotions. This this one is not on my list, but it certainly could have been. Um, I, I think I also try to limit like you know, one MCU movie, and I would put Guardians yeah. over Endgame. Um, the one sequence I would mention that you didn't is is Hawkeye at the beginning. Um, that I was more like, yeah, like more like took like I didn't know how to respond to that. It was so dark. I was shocked when it happened. But but seeing Renner's reaction and a complete lack of score was the thing that did it for me. And gosh, I've always loved Jeremy Renner. Um, I've always thought he's an excellent actor. And gosh, that might be his PS2 resistance. So um, that that is it's the combination of choosing to go completely silent. Yep. And seeing his reaction is is just just gut wrenching. Well, because uh, that film has an amazing score, but the Russos know in that moment you didn't need it. 
Right. Right. All right, I'll go with two more here. Um, and these are both going to be, again, the, uh, let's see if I can do obvious and not obvious. Um, all right, we'll go obvious and less obvious. Um, we will go with obvious Schindler's List. Um, that that movie just... Even if this is a fictionalized story, this is such a moving film. But the fact that this is a a actual a, actual people um, that the Holocaust happened, um, and that somebody like Oscar Schindler exists um, and was this person, um, I, I, you could pick out seven or eight different scenes from this movie. Um, you know, the two obvious ones would be either when you see the red coat the second time, or the Oscar trying to sell off the very last of his goods again and saying, I could have got one more. And it's gosh, where you uh, start to like, this could have been this many yeah. people save. This could have been that many people save. I'm like, yeah, I yeah. feel like I've watched Schindler's list. Maybe once I've seen it twice. Um, but you can't watch it that often. Um, I can't. I'm generally the kind of person that I don't need to be in a mood to watch a movie. Sure. That is a movie I need to be in a mood to watch. Sure. You sure. can't just like casually ch- uh, plop in Schindler's List. Sure. That's 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 a good call. Um, and the other one I'll go with is maybe not so obvious, but we'll keep with the with the theme of one more, and uh, we'll go with Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, there's two moments about this, and like, maybe this is shocking. There's two moments in this, and the first one is during the court scene where Hugo Weaving finally comes back and finally, you know, what he was totally snubbed for best supporting actor that year. Um, Cause he's excellent in that, um, that, that, that one. And then the sequence of him, it's, it's a montage. Gosh, I never thought he'd cry in a montage, but um, this, the sequence where he just keeps on saying, help me get one more. And you see him grabbing people like, like, like 50 times. And you, and you like, you feel, you feel this guy's exhaustion and you feel the horrors of what's going on. You, you know, there are uh, Japanese soldiers who are hunting him. The whole army is hunting one dude right now. And he's just help me get one more helping it with like, God. and again, score God. It's so good. Um, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> I'll pass so, it back to you. So mine is very personal. Okay. So like, I remember watching X-Men when I was like 10 years old mm-hmm. and being hooked. X-Men have already always been my favorite comic book characters. Mm-hmm. I, some of my favorite moments watching movies have been seeing X-Men films. I remember getting goosebumps at the midnight premiere of days of future past when the original X-Men movie score started kicking in. But from high school into college, when I started to be able to grow in facial hair, it's all about the Wolverine. I'd have those mutton chops and I'd still have them if it was more professional to have Wolverine mutton jobs. And something I always loved Hugh Jackman. I always loved Wolverine. And when I found out Logan was coming out and that was his last go around, I'm like, I'm going to be in for a feels trip watching this movie. 
And boy, did I not expect the feels trip that I went on watching that movie. Because the strangest thing was Wolverine had such an impact on me. And sitting and watching that film, and they literally had the movie I was named after in it. And then watching Shane, I'm like, my life has come full circle. And then as the movie's going on and at the end, when he's holding his daughter's hand and says, this is what it feels like. And he's slowly dying. I'm just like, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me right now. And context. I started tearing up when I saw a meme later where it referred back to the Wolverine when he's told that he's going to die with his heart in his hand and he died with his daughter's hand in his hand. I'm just like, no, I'm not going to cry again over this. And when that kid, it's cheesy, but when that kid pushed that crossover at his grave and it was an X and they walked away. I'm just like, no, James Mangold, how could you do this to me? (laughs) You got to stop. And that was, I teared up. I started crying in the theater, watching the end of Logan. I'm just like, this hit way too personally for me. (laughs) Right. Right. I get that. Um, That could have, that could have also been put on the list for sure. Um, yeah, that, that ending is so good. Um, counter that with, that's also my favorite, how it should have ended ever. Um, because it, (laughs) they have him dying there and then all of a sudden, um, uh, like they, their music starts to play and then he starts singing and it's the, the theme from, um, the last song of Les Miserables and then Jean Grey comes in and with the like Fontaine. It's it's the funniest how it should have ended ever, and it it ends at the end of all the all the X Men standing on top of the rubble pile singing, you know, do the do you hear the people sing? And it's just, it's the funniest because it puts you directly in the scene, and you're like, oh right, emotions, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it just becomes. You know what's really funny? I knew I had a problem when I went to go see Les Mis. And all five other people I went with were bawling their eyes out. And I'm just sitting there like, yeah, this is a touching movie. Yeah. And I wasn't yeah, crying. <laughs> all right. We're going to go with, uh, we're going to go in this category of space um, or maybe not space. Uh, sci- sci-fi. We'll go sci-fi. Uh, we'll start with Interstellar because the scene where McConaughey comes back because he's on the planet for too long because the water planet and time acts so differently out there. And he comes back and he gets to read like 40 years worth of messages from Murph. And it's like three messages. And that last one of, I'm as old as you were when you left. And I hate you is, 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 is enough to make me feel a sunken in my chest. And, um, the way McConaughey acts in that scene too. Yeah. Cried for Murph. Didn't cry for Tom though. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to yeah. point that out. Right. That, <laughs> look, it, again, obvious example. Interstellar, that will make me just bawl every time. And again, lack of score. Nolan choosing to trust his performers 
and the editors and all that. Which is interesting. Because normally, you'd be yep. getting, like, Hans Zimmering it up, being like, yep. So, uh, and the other one is, I'll go with Arrival. Um, again, kind of an out there one. But there's something about, I'm going to attribute this to three things. Um, there's something about the final culmination of what that movie actually is, and me just thinking it's maybe the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Um, the combination of that with um, uh, the way that the film is edited. I'm talking about the sequence where she is talking with the um, the general of the yeah. Chinese army and everything is starting to make sense. Um, and And it's montages of the past and the present and the future. And it's, gosh, heartbreaking, gut-wrenching. And the icing on the cake is the the theme on the nature of daylight, um, which wasn't made for Arrival. It was um, already used in several films before. Um, anytime you play that music alone, I will cry, because it's probably my favorite piece of music ever recorded. And it fits so perfectly with, with what's going on. Um, I will cry every time at the end of Arrival. So, all right. What's your last one? Oh, so I got two more. I got, oh, okay. uh, I have three. Uh, oh yeah. I, I have four left. That's right. Yeah. So I have, so this one's kind of like a culmination of just an atmosphere at the end of big fish. And mm. I don't know if it was like, I definitely had a connection to the film in terms of like, didn't really have a relationship with my dad growing up and like I do now. And it's so interesting watching that film and just the emotional connection that he finally realizes with his dad at the end. And like the whole entire fantastical thing of like driving him out to the river and like him going into the river and becoming the big fish and something just so beautiful and I guess poetic about it. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know why that of everything like gets me emotional, but sure. I think to me, honestly, that might be my favorite Tim Burton movie. Like, and it just hit me emotionally. And I think it's probably because of that, like father son relationship. Okay. Because father-son relationships can really get you. Because I yep. almost put Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 on here. Mm. Because, my God, when Cat Stevens' father and son starts playing during Yondu's funeral, I almost lost it. Because <laughs> okay. he might have been your father, boy, but he wasn't your daddy. I'm just like, <sighs> oh, right. man. Um, okay. Um, I have two more. Again, we'll go obvious and not obvious. Uh, obvious, um, there has to be a dog movie. There has to be. Um, and I haven't seen Marley and Me, um, and I refuse to watch Marley and Me because I know that whole movie is just to lead up to showing you a dog dying and to just killing you emotionally. And I can't handle that. Um, I thought about putting John Wick because that's the cutest dog I've ever seen on film. Um, the example that I'm going to choose to pick, even though I haven't seen this movie in a while, I'm going to go ahead and pick my dog, Skip. 
um, because I felt like this one would be like this is a good, uh, probably well known, but the dog dies um, because it's a movie about a dog. It's gonna die, um, and I typically avoid a lot of these movies, but. I remember this one affecting me pretty emotionally um, as a kid, and I would like to revisit it. But, um, yeah. I mean, really, really any movie where the dog dies, you can just put on this list. But Literally, the do- a dog's purpose is <laughs> just cruel. Yep. Because it's just like, this dog's going to die like five, six, seven times in this movie. I hope you're prepared. <laughs> it's just like, yep. screw you. <laughs> screw you and your movie. <laughs> and I'm going to pick a 2019 movie that was my fourth favorite movie of the year. A complete surprise to me and a complete surprise to anybody that's listening to this right now. We're picking Happy Death Day to you because I had no idea what to expect for this movie. I think I know exactly what you're going to talk about, too, because I'm like, I did not expect this kind of feels right it, now. Look, it has to movie. be the thing that, that I'm going to talk about, because I'm just like, I'm, I'm just in for this movie because I liked the first one, and this looks like it's doing something new. This wound up being incredibly more funny than the, uh, way more incredibly funny than the first one, which was already a funny movie. And um, uh, the, the other things, like I didn't expect this to be as, like, fun. Uh, and I didn't expect it to be as like sci-fi, and I didn't expect it to make me cry um, because there's like there's a one-two punch. The one-two punch is where she goes to have lunch with her dad, and her mom is there as well. And we know from the first movie that her mom was killed uh, like ten years ago, um, and she never got a chance to say goodbye and all that stuff. It's just like not meant nothing in the first movie, but meant everything in the second movie. Um, and this one I'll attribute it to film editing. I thought it was just perfectly edited. But then that one-two punch of her realizing sh- this isn't her mom. She has to go back to her reality. And so, I mean, she finally gets the closure, closure that she's always wanted. God, what a powerful scene from a movie that had no right to be. This looked like a dumbass movie from, <laughs> like... <laughs> Just like, I remember seeing the first trailer for the first Happy Death Day. I'm like, this looks so stupid. And watching it and enjoying it way more than I thought. And then I'm like, the second one looks crazy. And you go and I'm like, wait a minute. No, nobody told me that we're going to have emotions like this. Didn't agree to this at all. (laughs) And it definitely was, was something special. So, yeah, yeah. Um, my last one's Shawshank Redemption, mm. and there's one very specific scene, and it is when um Brooks gets let out of prison and he gets out on parole and he can't adjust to life and he winds up hanging himself. Yeah, and I'm just like, when he kicks that table out from under him, and you really realize what he's doing, I'm like. I remember watching that for the first time. I'm like, no, that was the most adorable old man. Don't you dare do this to me movie. And there's cause like, and you could even get emotional just from how beautiful the end of the film is and how cathartic it is. Yeah. When he's like, when red's walking down that beach towards Andy, you're just like, yes. Yep. And there's some dark, Oh man. Shawshank special yeah. and it took me until college to finally see that my 
uh, best friend growing up, Ryan, was his favorite movie. And I finally let him sit me down to watch it. I'm like, why had I not watched this movie before? <laughs> and Shawshank. Yeah. I picked up that movie and just watched it knowing that people had liked it, but not knowing that it was the highest rated movie on IMDb uh, and that everybody loved it. And I was just like, oh, this is amazing. This is definitely my favorite movie I've ever watched. And then I did the research like, oh, yeah, it's everybody's. Right. That makes sense. Um, All right. Again, obvious one and not obvious one. We're going to start with Inside Out. Um, This is my favorite Pixar movie. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and I could pick three or four different moments in this movie. Uh, but we're going to just go ahead and pick the bing bong moment. Uh, the take it to the moon for me. Uh, because gosh, I never thought a, a imaginary purple elephant would make me cry. So perfect example of this. When I saw inside out in theaters, there was a group of teenage girls being annoying and chatty the whole entire movie. <laughs> and my girlfriend, Jess and I are sitting there and then the second that scene happened, every single one of them were bawling their eyes out, <laughs> sitting there in the theater. I'm like, shows you for chatting through this whole entire movie. Enjoy a good cry. <laughs> and like, but yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. And uh, maybe not so obvious one, but um, I am such a sucker for storytelling. I'm such a sucker for how people tell stories and how people live out their stories. I'm such a sucker for psychology and sociology and physiology and things like that. Um, my last one um, is going to be Derek Del Guaggio's In and of Itself, available on Hulu. Um, and I could pick five different moments from this. Um, easy. Uh, definitely three that definitely that make me cry every single time. Um, I'm going to specifically um, just call out the whole last 20 minutes of this movie. Um, it just will. And, and here's here's the reason that I want to list is that I've never ever ever su- seen such raw human emotion uh, than that last 20 25 minutes. Um, it was absolutely brilliant and absolutely perfect kind of um, a human whisperer exactly and there there's a moment so what's happening is he is going down everybody grabs an identity card at the beginning of this thing and he is going down and guessing what everybody wrote down um and he's saying like if you pick something serious just don't stand up or it's silly just don't stand up if you pick something that you actually want people to see you as stand up and he walks down the aisle and tells everybody exactly what they picked. And the most heartbreaking moment of this is he looks at this guy and he tells him you're a nobody. And the guy just, he's like, he nods, you got it. And he, and he takes a seat and it is the most soul crushing, raw, natural thing I have ever seen in my entire life. And I cannot, cannot cannot bump this movie try to bump this movie up in your guys's cues enough um because that is to me the moment that i would pick uh but that the whole thing is brilliant i did not have any expectations going into watching that and i was just like was not expecting this yeah. <laughs> definitely was not expecting this and i think that is now my number seven most watched review on my youtube channel oh nice it broke like 1400 views and i'm just like holy crap this must have struck a chord with people 
Yeah, look, I watched that movie. I'd heard people talking about it, um, didn't know anything about it. I started watching it at the gym, and I got about 40 minutes in, and I went home, and I'm like, I got to finish this right now. I ain't showering. I got to finish this right now. And the whole last 20 minutes, I'm screaming at my TV, like, how? How? I love it. I love it. Makes me cry. Shane, let's do a spinoff real quick. Uh, What is that one thing in pop culture you want to tell everybody to watch or to avoid? So I wanted to show some love for Shiva Baby coming out. Okay. Because I got a screener for this. And I like to give, like, when I'm sitting and watching a movie, if something embodies the awkwardness of life so poignantly, I like to give it the Colin Robinson energy vampire seal of approval. This movie is almost one giant uncomfortable situation at a Shiva. And it is written and directed by a young Jewish woman starring like one of her best friends, young Jewish woman. And it is, it's funny. It's tense. It's poignant. It has a lot to say. It has an amazing cast. Low-key, one of my favorite character actors out there right now is Fred Melamed, who I guess I first saw in A Serious Man, and he was Saul Abelman, The Serious Man. And this film is one of my top films of 2021 as as of now, and I've seen 161 so far. And like this is a film that's so well-crafted, doesn't try too hard to accomplish what it's doing. It's about a young woman who's secretly having an affair with an older man. And she goes to a shiva with her family. And how it turns out, her ex-girlfriend is there. Awkward. And this man she's having an affair with shows up with his family. And then let the awkwardness ensue. And there's so much tension and just so poignantly emotional and everybody's doing an amazing job in this film. And this is going to be coming out soon. So you all should go watch it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. J- uh, I was actually reading um, John's review because um, John wrote about it and it'll mm-hmm. be published on the website probably by the time this episode comes out. Uh, but I was making the graphic for it and editing it and all that. So um, yeah, definitely sounds like one to keep your eye out for. Shane, would you like me to talk about a documentary, an animated film, or a live-action film? Guess live-action. All right. I have to talk about a movie that I loved that uh, I, I did the look lookings after, and wow, this movie has some pretty trash ratings. But on Saturday night, me and my wife, uh, my second time, uh, her first watch, she's out of my league, and... Um, I saw this when it came out and I thought nothing of it. Um, I thought it had one or two funny lines. I watched it with my brother. Um, and I, I like, this is fine. This is pretty good, but, uh, it has like two funny lines in it is a little bit more like romance. Than I thought this is a, make no mistake about it. This is a com rom, not a rom-com. Uh, and the, the whole premise of this movie is that, um, Jay Baruchel, um, gets a chance to go on a date with Alice Eve. Um, and 
they start being in a relationship and it, there's a lot of like psychological things that this movie deals with about like self image. Um, and the movie, I think look on the surface level, this movie may feel dated like for like the way that it talks about things, but I really don't think it is because I think the movie is trying to address that the way that these people are thinking is wrong. And like I was reading, reading a lot of the reviews that like a lot of this doesn't hold up. And I'm like, I think it really does. I think this movie is a little bit ahead of its time um because of the way that it talks about uh what makes a person beautiful and about um where people fall into social situations and kind of tries to break that norm um but the real reason why i wanted to talk about this movie is that i laughed my ass off <laughs> i laughed so much um there's there is so many moments in this and um stars jay baruchel and his um and alice eve of course but as problematic as he is now, um, TJ Miller in this, um, uh, before, you know, when he was still a really funny up and coming, uh, person. Um, and, um, gosh, uh, this guy, he's totally, you would recognize his face, but not his name. Uh, Nate Torrance. Um, he also is Clawhauser and she's out of my league. So you would recognize that voice for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Lloyd and get smart. So, um and uh and mike vogel which i just watched grind a couple weeks ago he's from grind cloverfield um texas chainsaw massacre um things like that um i had i had a really good time with this movie i thought it was hilarious um and i think it had some really positives to think things to say about self-image and beauty um and look maybe maybe it just hit me in the right spot and maybe i just didn't think about it enough and maybe it actually doesn't hold up but I, I really loved this movie. Have you seen it, Shane? I have not. Actually. Okay. Uh, you catch it streaming on Paramount Plus um, or most digital retailers to buy. Give me or... something else to watch on Paramount Plus than just watching Clarice. Yeah. Let me, yeah let, let me know if you think about it because this has like a, a common aggregate on Letterboxd of like 2.6, but I gave it a four and a half stars. And like probably I should give it a four, not a four and a half, but. Mm-hmm. I loved this movie. So I wanted to talk about She's Out of My League. Well, I'm glad you had to talk about it. <laughs> nice. Well, on that note, uh, that's a wrap. Quick reminder to Pop Rise Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows, studiodna.media. And if you're interested in writing for SifPop.com, you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore it in the B plot, then you can email us at writersroom at SifPop.com. You can also get in contact with me on Twitter uh, at Schweitcastle or find me on Letterboxd at Schweitcastle. But, um, uh, Shane, that's all the ways that people can reach out for me. Um, what about you? Where can people uh, find you? you can follow me on Instagram at the Wasteland Reviewer. You could follow me on YouTube. Subscribe to my channel, the Wasteland Reviewer. And yeah, I write for Sif Pop. I write for Scribe Magazine. So go check out all of my lovely content. Shameless plugs all around. All of it. All the shameless plugs. And uh, yeah, and don't forget to leave us a review on your iTunes while you're already checking out a bunch of stuff. Uh, helps out the show uh, a lot. Really appreciate um, both ratings and reviews. Both of them really helpful. Um, but uh, but you know, Shane, we're still not quite out of award season. We're still writing about a bunch of stuff. You know, lots of stuff still coming out, still happening. Lots of the never-ending list of movies keeps on becoming more never-ending. So that means we got to get back to the writers' room. Absolutely. <laughs>